And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney are not your prototypical football owners. McElhaney is best known for his portrayal of Mac on the long-running FX series It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And Reynolds, obviously, is a star of the Deadpool franchise and also an entrepreneur. He's the man behind Aviation Gin and Mint Mobile. Neither one of them knew anything about soccer until recently. Yet they made waves last year when they purchased Welsh side Wrexham AFC for some £2 million, taking control of one of the oldest continually operating football clubs in the world. Wrexham's quest to earn promotion after spending 15 years in the National League, that's the fifth tier of the English Football League system, is the subject of a new documentary series produced by Reynolds and McElhaney entitled Welcome to Wrexham. The series focuses on Wrexham's on-field exploits, but it feels more like an exploration of the town of Wrexham itself and an ode to the place's undying affection for their football club. Welcome to Wrexham premieres on Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and FX on August 24th, and I'm joined now by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. Rob, I will do my best not to call you Mac. Of course, hey, Bob. Bob. All right, let's, let's jump right in. I, I, I guess the first thing I want to ask, and I think it's an obvious question given what I just said, you know, that you guys aren't your sort of typical football owners, is what drove you to do this? Was this about, uh, you know, an interest in sports ownership? You know, how much of it was about... Um, just making a documentary, which it seems like you guys are pretty open from the beginning that you were always going to do. Um, I, I actually think it's the it's um, the latter first. I, I've it's always been a dream of mine to be associated in some capacity with a professional sports uh, franchise, and then um, not really knowing an a, a legitimate or rational uh, avenue into it. And then it was over the pandemic where I started watching a lot more documentaries and started getting into football, then learned about the English system and then realized, wait, that's an interesting way in. But one of the key factors to, to, to success at that level would be to grow the exposure of the club because more revenue that comes in, the more you can invest in players. And, um, and so then when I started thinking about it that way and I think, well, that's actually marries exactly what I do for a living, tell stories, and this idea of being involved in, in a professional sports franchise. So they were actually working in concert with one another, but I actually think uh, it was the latter that came first. One of the themes that you guys go into pretty early on in the season, I mean, you go to kind of great lengths to explain to the viewer, you know, exactly how the English football system, well, the system that exists overseas generally, of promotion and relegation is structured and what that means and all that sort of stuff. I mean, was, was that possibility, the, the, the pro rel thing, was that, you know, a driving force in your acquisition of the club? Yes, because that's the ultimate underdog story. I mean, it's one thing to suggest that, 
you know, the Browns or the Bengals or, or, or um, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays or some who can ascend through the ranks. But either way, if they wind up, the stakes are high, but they're not as high uh, if you're not getting kicked out of the league if you finish in last. And what happens is this precipitous fall all the way down and you can tumble very quickly and it can destroy a franchise. We just don't have anything like that. So the stakes may be high emotionally and certainly economically, but not in the way that it is in the English football system. So that was a very clear way in. But I'll say that the show um, at its core, I think is more of a love letter to working class people and their devotion and love uh, for the beating heart that is the club that's associated with their town or community. And I think everybody can identify with that. Yeah, you know, I, I wondered if it was a challenge for you guys as filmmakers, um, you know, outsiders, as it were, to sort of accurately portray the town of Wrexham, um, its people, the supporters of the club, the club itself. Obviously, it's a place you've never been to, uh, you know, prior to last year. And, um, you know, it's a, sort of an interesting proposition having to to make a film about a place that you have really no familiarity with. Was, was that challenging to you guys? Uh, I, I would say that, you know, going into anything like this where you're in somewhat uncharted territory, at least for us, is just about transparency. You know, like we're not here to project some idea that we know what we're doing in terms of uh, uh, running a football club. We are here to say that we're, you know, we're going to be responsible, respectful and reverent of the institution that is Wrexham and that we're going to do everything we can to grow this and build this like we would any other business or a film or a television show or anything like that. Um, you know, most of those, most businesses, you know, at least the ones that I've been involved with that succeed or work usually have a backbone of accountability and relationships, you know, and that's, that's not too dissimilar to what's happening in Wrexham. So we just kind of went in very honestly and just said, listen, we don't pretend, you know, your average five-year-old in Wrexham has forgotten more about football than we will ever know. And, but we are going to do our best to make sure that, that the success of the club is commensurate to the success of the community and vice versa. So it was, a lot of it was kind of finding that multi-pronged approach, you know, because this, the community and the club are just so linked, you know, that you, you can't tear them apart. And, and really you can't grow one without growing the other. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, I wanted to ask you, it's not like immediately clear in the documentary how you got involved here. I mean, I, I, I do know, obviously, Rob says that he uh, he needed movie star money, um, uh, you know, but uh, beyond that, uh, you know, like, how did you become involved in the project? It doesn't seem like you guys knew each other very well before any of this. Well, I reached out to Rob because he, you know, I, I, is, as I've gotten older, I've really kind of grown into a place where I, I feel like when I see someone doing something that's amazing or something I just love and appreciate, regardless of outcome, I just like to let them know. And Rob had done a sequence on, on, on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that I just thought was pound for pound one of the most beautiful three minutes I'd ever seen in this, on, on, on his show that, that, that you know, he'd obviously created and had worked on for so many years. So I let him know and we just became kind of friends, you know, like text friends. We never actually met or anything like that. Um, and then one day Rob sent me an email that outlined this plan to, you know, buy a lower league club and grow it into something that, you know, resembles a more global force. And um, I just, you know, I, I just saw the path that he'd laid out, the phosphorescence in the water, so to speak. And, you know, I was in. I just, I just thought it was so unexpected and so interesting. 
and I love building businesses, and this is a business, you know, and it's it's a business founded on relationships, like I said before. So I was excited to dive in, and and it's been a real odyssey, and it's also been one of the most high pressure, tightrope walks I think I've ever been on because there is just there's so much riding on the the success of this club uh, with every single individual in Wrexham, and it's it's a it's a lot it's a lot to carry, but I'm not complaining. It's been a, it's been one of the greatest rides of my life. Yeah, I wanted to ask um, Rob Ryan, either one of you, if you thought about investing in an American soccer club, uh, you know, be it MLS, USL, uh, you know, any of the lower leagues. Um, you know, it's different. Obviously, there's no pro rel here. Um, the cost of ownership, I think, you know, in many ways, you know, especially for an MLS club, is higher than it is in the top flight in a lot of countries. Um, is that something that you guys are interested in? Yeah, this has definitely opened up a whole lot of different opportunities, and um, and we've discussed all sorts of different things. But for now, we want to make sure that we're focused wholly and solely on on Wrexham because we just can't get this wrong. I also think that there's one of the things that I, I think is interesting from a storytelling perspective is like, let's say in some wildest, farthest corner of our imagination, we had the kind of scratch to buy a Chelsea or a you know, Man United or something like that. There's really only one way to go with those clubs is down. I mean, they're already at the, they're already apex clubs. So when you take a club like Wrexham, which which has a, a fan base that is so passionate about this club that, that they would they would die for this club, um, yet there's so much real estate in front of them. There's so much room to grow and be promoted. I just think the story, from a storytelling perspective, it's so much more interesting. You also have so many folks that are, like that feel like they're playing for their lives. You know, they don't, there aren't multi-million dollar contracts that they can rest on, you know, should the, the club not work or they should, or should they get cut or something like that. You know, they're, 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 these are players that really are, you know, running, kicking, jumping, playing for their lives every single day. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see so many young folks, you know, playing at this level, uh, you know, at this level of passion. It's just fa- fascinating. So I've seen the first five episodes of the show, um, and, and Rob, you said something in an episode that stuck with me, which was that, you know, if you're working on Sunny and you sort of leave the writer's room, you have a pretty good idea uh, that what, you know, the product that you created is good, that you have sort of control over that to a certain extent, at least. And it, it just, it's interesting to me because sports ownership is really the polar opposite. I mean, it's, you know, you can set your team up for success. You can build a roster, you know, coach you know, X, Y, and Z thing. But at the end of the day, um, these players go into the pitch and, you know, if they perform, they do. And if they don't, they don't, you're just sort of stuck there in the owner's box, um, you know, at the mercy of the game itself. And, you know, I wonder if that dynamic for either one of you guys was, was difficult to deal with, you know, that sort of lack of control. Yes. I mean, look, the, the truth of the, the truth of the matter is, you know, you, you go into any artistic or creative endeavor and you have an idea of what it could be in your head. And then you listen to the project as, as you go. And because you're working with multiple parties, um, in a, in great collaboration. And so things change and you can pivot 
And but you still feel like along the way you can kind of at least guide it in the right direction to the to where in the end maybe you didn't exactly accomplish what you had set out to do, but you have at least a, a, a modicum of control of how it winds up. And here you can get it all the way almost to the finish line, but at the end of the day, there's an objective reality. There's no subjective reality. You either won or you lost. You either got promoted or you got relegated or you remained in stasis. So it, that is very, very difficult. Although I will say that that's also part of the excitement is that some of it is just the unknown. We can just do our best and, and, and hope for the best, and then it's just up to, up to the football gods. It's also, it really is what makes it so riveting to me, is that you can't really control, you can do the best you can to put the best possible squad on the field, but you know, at the end of the day, anything can happen in this sport. And, that's, and you said something interesting, I, I really believe this when you're making films, that every film that I've done that hasn't really worked or kind of misfired in a creative since you know there was one common denominator is that, that we weren't listening to the film like you, you have to listen to the film because if you listen to it it will speak to you and it will tell you things if you just go no no this is in the script and we're only shooting the script uh, you know you're you're going to you're going to wind up in some pretty precarious positions and and running a football club is no different i mean it is talking to us constantly uh, as we go i mean and we are listening to it as best we can every single minute of every single day and it's it's uh, again. It's that. That's sort of what makes it a bit of the tightrope walk. Is that it's it's ever evolving thing where anything can happen. It's uh, it's magic. I'll let you guys go. Just wanted to ask one more question. So if you you know it's the sort of rise of the football documentary has been kind of prolific in the past five or ten years. I mean you have um, you know all or nothing series, uh, Sunderland Till I Die. You have you know fictional scripted shows like Ted Lasso. Uh, all sorts of web series. As I, I sort of wonder how much of that content you guys consumed before you made the documentary, and how much that might have you know influenced your filmmaking process here. I've always been a massive, massive fan of of sports documentaries. I've seen every episode of Thirty for Thirty multiple times. Um, I'll watch anything, uh, any story that's well told, and it's just so it's so wonderful when you can find a, a sports documentary, specifically one about maybe a sport that you don't necessarily care about or I don't care about, but any good story well told, um, I think it just transcends the subject matter. And so I was watching and have seen so many different sports documentaries. I mean, the F1 is a great example. The, 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 the docu-series on, on F1 that's out right now. I mean, I could care less about, uh, about, about cars. I just, I'm not a car guy. I'm not, that's not my sport. Formula One's just not something I'm, I was interested in. And now I'm hooked. I mean, because the storytelling is so great. 30 for 30 has been great for that as well. Um, various sports and events. So I've, I, I watch everything. Absolutely. I do, I do too. I just, I just watched In Search of Greatness. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, it's great. What's it covers that? all these Gretzky and Pele and uh, um, Michael Jordan, all kinds of these. these I just love that. That stuff. even if you don't gravitate, like you said, to the sport necessarily, mm -hmm. you those like F one is. I felt the exact same way, but but I know every single one of those drivers and the pit boss and the guy that's all you know. You're you're yeah. you get hooked and it's wonderful. Rob and Ryan, thanks so much for joining me, and I look forward to seeing the rest of your show. Thanks, Pablo. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.